0: Amen. Um, again, I'm excited, about, I'm excited about this passage, and I don't know, I, I, I say that all the time, but I'm excited about this passage because it's a, it's a great centering passage and a reminder of how the early church did their communal life. It's one of the most referenced passages that, if you've been around the church long enough, is one of the most referenced passages about Christian community. And when we talk about Christian community, that's also an area that I think for most of us is is one of our most unrealized experiences, one of our un- unfulfilled longings. You know, all of us go back to like I remember I had community in this one place; it was so amazing. And ever since then, it's just been fleeting. I've moved to Boston; I've never had the community like I did in my home church back. You know, like we have these moments where we like we long for something more. When we read the passages like. The one we're in today, and just as a quick recap, um, last week Peter, Peter preached a message um, about Jesus' crucifixion, and it says that the people were pierced to their hearts, that their hearts were broken, and they asked, "What can be done?" And Peter says, "Repent." Turn to Jesus, be baptized, and you will be rescued and saved, and God will will show his face towards you. And that day, 3,000 people were baptized in the name of Jesus. And not only were they baptized in the name of Jesus, they were baptized into his body. And so that means that after they were baptized, they didn't head back to home. They didn't head back to their silos to go back to life as usual they gave their lives to Jesus and what what came with giving their lives to Jesus was giving their lives to one another for the kingdom of God Jesus told his disciples before he ascended go and make disciples go into all the earth and make disciples baptize them in my name in the father and the son and the holy spirit and he, he told them but make disciples one commentator says, the early church did more than make converts, they also made disciples. And so when we talk about discipleship, it's what we do with our lives, to be conformed to the image of Jesus, being shaped in, inside and out into the person of Jesus. And so after these 3,000 people were baptized and said, yes, to eternal life, they now have to work it out in their everyday life and community to be a follower of of Jesus, Jesus has called us His church to community, not as an elective course. Jesus said, "Pick up your cross and, and follow me don't pick and choose what you want to follow with your whole lives. Follow me. We are god 's spiritual house, and God meets us in community, and through our community, God reveals himself to the world, is a big mantle, is really significant importance on how we do community. And I know that even for myself, we all, when we hear this word community, we all come to it with our own histories and biases and cultures and, and hang-ups that shape our understanding, our expectations of community. Right? We have the expectations of how we think community should go when we hear that word. Bonhoeffer in Life Together. Shout out to Manny for putting me back on Bonhoeffer. Um, He says this First, Christian community is not an ideal, but a divine reality. Second, Christian community is a spiritual and not an emotional reality. That, that the community that God's putting together is, is based on his kingdom, on his values, and based on his spirit bringing people together. So we ask the question when we come into Christian community, God, what are you doing here? That's a very different question than intercommunity. community say, here's what I need from all of you people a very different posture to walk into a community that God has put together and say, God, what are you doing here so I can join you in what you're already doing here? A good question to ask when entering community is saying, God, what do you want to do with us right here in 2021? Boston, Massachusetts, what do you want to do with this community? See, I want to make sure we use this word community here at Reality Church is that my hope and intention is that 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 word would be shaped by the scriptures and how the Holy Spirit is shaping us as a community to understand what God is doing in our midst and what God wants to do in the world through his church, through this community, through his body. Because our aim is for the kingdom of God to come to earth, not ours. Because I can enter community and say, man, I can make my kingdom come here in this circle, in this atmosphere right here. God is saying, now, as you enter community, let my kingdom come to earth. Let my kingdom shape your community. Let my kingdom shape how you do church and how you interact with one another and how you go into the world. So what does this passage teach us about how the early church did community? And so it's really, I, I love I love when it fleshes it out like very sequential, it's very, it's very easy, it's almost, it's giving me an outline, right? And for some of you, you're gonna love that I'm gonna have like four points today, woo! All right. <laughs> it's a, here's what they did. Verse 42, the first four words, they devoted themselves to. I want you to pay attention, this word devoted, like is the foundation for everything else that I'm gonna talk about today. Because without this devotion, there's nothing, all these other things won't stick. So, the, the devotion I believe is, will tell you how high the ceiling is on the future. So the word simply means to continue to do something with intense effort, with a possible implication of despite difficulty to devote oneself to, to keep on, to persist in, to keep on, to persist in, to do something despite knowing that you're gonna experience difficulty. Devote, to do something with intense effort. They devoted themselves. See, we, we all devote ourselves to something. Most of I'm devoted to eating. Food, I'm devoted to it. Like, I'm not, unapologetically, I'm committed to eat something every day, multiple times a day. And, and, and something to drink, something that has water in it. It might not be pure water, but something that has water in it. Why? Because I want to live, and I believe that food and drink will cause me to live. I think better food, like around here, or something artisanal is even better experience, and we should have food experiences And so I believe that I eat to stay alive and more than that, I enjoy it. And so I'm devoted to it because it gives a life and I enjoy it. They devoted themselves to. What are you devoted to? So when we devote ourselves to something, we've given it a value system. We're saying this thing is valuable. This thing has like quantifiable value in my life. And so I'm going to devote myself to it because I know that I'm going to get something intrinsically valuable for my life or maybe even for my soul. What are you devoted to? What is God calling his church to be devoted to? Because devote, being devoted is not a one-time thing. Like I was devoted to church that one time. Devoted to Jesus that one time. That wouldn't, that wouldn't translate to any relationships in the world, right? I was devoted to you, baby, that one week. <laughs> you guys don't all right, all right. you can alive in church. It's okay. Right? Like devotion, it doesn't translate any other area like that. But if we come to church, like we want to go right? like devotion ends up being very nuanced in how we use it. I'm not preaching to anyone in particular today. Um they <laughs> Another translation they use they 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 translate they were continually devoting that this was a persistent pursuit that they were on that they were seeking together and so what did they devote themselves to number one the apostles' teaching they were in the scriptures in the teachings of the of the Hebrew scriptures and in the words of Jesus and this is what shaped their community. We'll read later in the book of Acts that the apostles quit everything else just to focus themselves on teaching the word of God in prayer. We see all throughout Scripture the centrality of God's word and the necessity of it for a transformed life. Psalm 119, the, the psalmist says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Paul says in Ephesians, he talks about the full armor of God. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marbles, and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Like we, we will never gather and not do it around God's word. We want to be a community that's shaped by God's words, not my words, not any famous author's words. We want to be shaped by the words of God, by the words of Jesus. Peter told Jesus, where are we going to go? You are the ones who have who has eternal life. Listen, life is complicated. There are a lot of perspectives out there and issues and challenges in life. And to live in the way of Jesus, we need the Spirit of God to reveal to us how God's Word is, 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 needs to be lived out in our society and in our time. Anyone agree with that? All right, yay. Um, <laughs> See, what we see, and what we see in Scripture is that God consistently speaks to His people in community. It's God's primary vehicle for communicating His Word in community. And I just want to say this. I love that we have technology. I love that we have podcasts. But there's something to following Jesus in community. And I understand we're on the heels of a pandemic, so I'm not pointing anyone like, Where you been? No, we've been in a pandemic, so I get that. But I want to say that there's something to being here live, being with other people and hearing the word of God and having the spirit of God minister to us collectively. I think there's a power in that and I think we see it all through scripture. That's, that's what kicked off the book of Acts. 120 people in the room praying together, seeking God together in the same zip code, in the same geographic location. God does do things in time and particular spaces. So it says not only did they devote themselves to the teachings of the apostles, but they they devoted themselves to fellowship. So not only were they devoted to learning, but learning is not just note-taking. Being devoted to teaching has to do with how we respond with our actual lives, with the stuff we're being taught. And so the, the first step they took was they were baptized. Peter said, repent, be baptized. Okay, we're get baptized. Now what? Now they go into the community and they're going through the scriptures about Jesus taught them to live. And now they're fleshing it out. And they've devoted themselves to, to fellowship. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's what the writers of the New Testament are teaching, that we need each other. We need each other. That we're in this together and that we were made for community. Like Jesus gives us eternal life and he leaves us here. And he says, you're my body your toes, your fingers, your elbows, your femur, your this, work together and demonstrate to the world who I am. That means you're interconnected and interdependent upon one another. They were devoted to fellowship, we get the Greek word koinonia. And so fellowship means much more than just being together in one space. It means having something in common. It refers, Having something in common, not just like we all like the Patriots. Well, that's, that, that wouldn't even be in common here. There's people here that don't like the Patriots, right? So that would be hard to agree on, right? Um, having in common refers to sharing of material goods and a shared life that's voluntary, that's not from compulsion or guilt, but is motivated by love because their lives have been radically changed by Jesus. They were like, do you have need, brother? Do you have need, sister? They were literally like, we are in this together. And your success is my success. Your failure is my failure. We are in this together. Verse 44 and 45, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. This, 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 was, this was radical. This was beautiful. They literally said, this is now my life. This church, this community, the way of following Jesus is my life. And I'm giving my life. And I'm giving everything I have towards it. One commentator says, the giving is for the sole purpose of announcing the reign of the Father's love through the Son and the bonds of communion together with the Spirit. In other words, in the way that they're sharing life and sharing their possessions, sharing their talents and sharing their treasures, is they're, they're announcing the kingdom of God through how they're communing, communing with each other. So a lot of times when we talk about community, the underlying question is what's in it for me? So we pick and choose, I'm guilty of this, or what we hopped in, what we opt into based on our preferences, our comfort levels. And a lot of it is based on what I'm going to get out of it. What's the ROI? What's the return on investment. And the, the gospel writers and Jesus said, it's more blessed to give and to receive. The writer of Hebrews says, do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifice, God is pleased. God is pleased when we give our lives to one another. He's pleased when you come into community and go, God, what are you doing here? What are you calling me to contribute here for the flourishing of my brothers and sisters? I'm not saying that we don't have boundaries, but some of us come with so many predetermined boundaries and created lines about how we're gonna interact with the church, we'd actually never really interact. Or we come in here saying, I can't afford to give that. I can't afford to give myself that much. I've only really given the church a sliver of myself. We are called to invest our whole lives into the kingdom of God, and the ROI is the love of God sweeping through the hearts and the lives of people around us. A really great book by an author called Joseph Hellerman. The, church, the book is called When the Church Was Family. He says this, Long-term interpersonal relationships are the crucible of genuine progress in the Christian life. People who stay also grow. People who leave do not grow. We all know people who are consumed with spiritual wanderlust, but we never get to know them very well because they cannot seem to stay put. They move along from church church to church, ever searching for a congregation that will better satisfy their felt needs. Like trees repeatedly transplanted from soil to soil, these spiritual nomads fail to put down roots and seldom experience experience lasting and fruitful growth in their Christian lives. Listen, church, our success comes collectively. The success of the church comes Collectively, I need you, you need me, we need each other. And God is calling us to plunge our whole lives into this thing he's called the church, into this thing he's called the kingdom of God, because he said that he wants his kingdom to come to earth through us. And so let's stop picking and choosing and, and being scarce with what we give to one another because it's hurting the body and the beauty of this early church as they didn't hold back. See, we might look back and go, oh, it was perfect back then. It's not that it was perfect, it's just that they didn't hold back. And they put their lives into it, and they put their lives on the line for one another. When they were baptized, they made a statement. They said, this is my covenant community. N.T. Wright says, the earliest Christians lived as a single family. And listen, we, fam, family is a scary word, right? Because we're like, man, I, I got family drama for days. <laughs> and listen, I'm not saying that there's not drama in family, but I'm saying I love my family and I'm committed to them, regardless of the drama. And we're committed to working it out. And I can't just pull myself out and say I'm no longer Rashad Clemens. Just like we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and we are his church and we can't say, man, I don't like that part of the church. I'm just going to extract myself and I'm going to do my own thing. God, I say, no, I've called you to a body. I've called you to a group of people. I need you to commit to that. But I'm not talking to anybody in here. All right. <laughs> talking to people at other churches. All right. <laughs> They were in it together, their hearts and minds were knit together in kingdom priorities, devote to, to continue to do something with intense effort, to devote oneself, to keep on, to persist in. Here's why we do it, living in community, living in fellowship is the embodiment of the Trinity. Think about it. God is in community, Father, Son, Spirit. This is how God works. And he's calling us to live in community. 1 John 1, 3 says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. See, we can't separate walking with Jesus in Christian community. Because John said, if you, if you walk in the light then you have fellowship with one another, if we're walking with Jesus, continuing to ourselves to Jesus, then he's calling us to do that alongside other people. He said, don't say you love me, but don't know your brother that you can see, that you can touch, that you can, on the shoulder, six feet apart, whatever it is. Verse 46, the first two words says, every day, every day they continue to meet in the temple courts. Their Christian faith was a day-to-day reality. It wasn't a once a week routine. The reality of the resurrection and expression of the kingdom was their utmost desire on a daily basis. So I I wanna ask you, who are you in fellowship with? Who knows you? I'm not saying you have to come to this address seven days a week to live out what the early church did. I'm saying you need to be in community with people who know you, who know what you're going through, who you can share things with, who the Lord can speak through you and speak through them because we're the church. Do you have people like that in your life? So they devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Point number three, breaking of bread. Um... Fellowship is not only sharing in the same belief and sharing resources, but fellowship is communion. It's taking time to fellowship over a common meal. So they would constantly, you would find the early church having meals together, and when they would coin this meal as love feast, right? They loved each other, agape, they loved each other. And they would have meals together, and they would express their love together by having a meal. Bread and wine were common fare at a Jewish table. So, at the close of each meal, they probably is it getting is it getting bad a little bit, yeah. Just hold that down. Okay, thank you. All right. As I was saying, as Jesus was saying, um, at the close of each meal, as they're having these love feasts, they would remember the Lord's Supper and they'd break bread and pour wine and remember that the, the body broken for them and the blood poured out for them. The ark of their meals and their time together pointed to a greater reality. Can you hear me in the back? All right, okay. This is what shapes the early church's community. This is what shapes our community. You wonder, like, why are we doing church a little bit differently now? We, we look at what happened in this early time. They got into the Word. They took communion. They had fellowship with each other. And they prayed together. They devoted themselves to the teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, having meals together, and to prayer. These are the things we must, like that we're called to do. Sorry, I got too many things. They were devoted to prayer, and I know we hear prayer, we have our own conceptions of what prayer is, and we, we like the idea of prayer. These people were discipled in prayer. Jesus' whole earthly ministry revolved around a rhythm and a lifestyle of prayer. It says that when they are preparing for the coming of the Holy Spirit, that they were together praying. Here's what prayer does. Prayer unifies. Every time we break up in groups of four and five, I feel like I know that group that much better. I feel like, I, like I've disconnected in a way that I wouldn't if we were just talking about just things going on in life. It accelerates intimacy. It accelerates relationships. And prayer advances God's mission. We're gonna, As we go through this book of Acts, you're going to see that they prayed and things happened. They prayed and, and jail cells busted open. They prayed and people got healed. This is what we as a church were committed to being a church that prays. We want to be a, a, a church that, will, that we do our mission from prayer, that we're becoming disciples, that we're being discipled in prayer. Jesus told Peter that he's praying for him. Jesus in the garden says, pray so you don't enter into temptation. Jesus told the disciples, there's certain things that are not gonna happen in your ministry unless you pray. And Jesus said, when the the disciples asked him how to pray, he says, pray that God's kingdom comes. And so every time we get together, we're praying that God's kingdom comes our frustrations our longing of what's not here yet that's where God that is it's from that space that we pray God let your kingdom come Hebrews said that Jesus right now sits at the right hand of the Father and what he does at the right hand of the Father is he's praying for us this is that he lives to intercede Jesus is at the hand of the Father and he's praying for us he's praying for you for our city, he's praying for our neighborhood. He's praying for sick people, he's praying for the marginalized, he's praying for the broken. And it says that this group of people, that this church, what they were experiencing through their prayer and through their fellowship, and through the, the teaching of the apostles, is that the God was doing mighty things in their midst, and that they it says they were in awe of the miracles and wonders that were happening. So one commentator says this. This is our last point. It says, God's presence and power caused a holy atmosphere. Even unsaved sinners were aware of the sacredness of the time and place. This is, this is what we long for. This is, I'm not interested in, in having a Sunday club and having a social group. I want us to have a space with an atmosphere where the Spirit of God is present in ways that we had not yet realized. I want an atmosphere where people come in and they're, and they're encountering something transcendent that they haven't before and they say, what is that? I want people to, to walk in there and say, I see a joy and a hopefulness in a group of people that doesn't make sense to be breaking bread together, to be having donuts after church together, It doesn't make any sense to ask questions, why are you guys together? We needed people to walk in this place and see a church that people have come from all over the globe and different neighborhoods and economics and breaking bread together and sharing resources and love with one another. And people saying, what is that? That's the transcendentness of God. And we want to create those sacred spaces where the presence of God is there and people are seeing God on earth as it is in heaven. So this is why we gather We gather because we want to create a holy atmosphere. We gather here this Sunday, the first day of the week, to be reminded through teaching, through singing, through generosity, through prayer, through communion, to fellowship that God is here and God wants to break into our world and our unity and our praying together and our sharing stories of redemption together in a way brings the presence of God here and makes us aware of his work and creates a joy that that, that bursts out of us so people can see that we are, first of all, that we are alive and that the resurrection is real. Last two verses and we're done. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God enjoying the favor of all people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved God was adding to their number daily they're in each other's homes having these love fest meals and they're breaking bread and they're taking communion and people are coming in and they're getting and and their lives are being transformed it says daily One commentary says they were having a continuous revival. Like the the, the joy of the Lord in this early church, because they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to centering their lives around the, the body of Jesus broken and poured out for them. And they were devoted to praying the kingdom of God to come in their midst, to come right now. They, every time they met with Jesus, they go, is now the time? Is now the time? Because they really believed that the kingdom of God was at hand, and they lived like it. They lived as though the kingdom of God could come any minute. So the way they gathered was in anticipation for the spirit of God to come and change the world. And so I just wonder if, if we just begin to say, I'm going to put my whole life into this and I'm going to live on the edge as though God could come any moment. Or I'm going to live and pray as though God can change the world. And so church, this, I am I, moved by what God has done to Acts. I'm going to say this again. God, do this in our time. God, we thank you for your word. We Thank you for your, your presence, for your power. We just say, Holy Spirit, come. We can't can't change the world without you. We can't be changed without you. Um, So we say, come. Fill us. Wreck our agendas, our priorities. Um, It's about you. Jesus, we love you. Amen.